You are listening to Girl Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 128 of Girl Speak, exploring the childhood of Greta Garbo. I'm Tiffany Rhodes, Program Developer with Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girl Speak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. Girl Museum explores the art, history, and culture of girls around the world in the past and present. All of our programs are volunteer-run and supported by listeners like you. Special thanks to our sisterhood patrons, Angela Mills, Christina Sousa Martinez, Elizabeth Dillenberg, Erica Holt, Frances Helt, Hilary Rose, Mary Celeste Kearney, Michelle Taylor Bucock, and Sophie. Visit us on the web at www.girlmuseum.org. Today, we'll be exploring the girlhood of legendary Swedish-American actress Greta Garbo. Known as a melancholy, tragic character on screen, and perhaps in life, Greta's childhood was highly influential on her success and eventual decision to leave Hollywood. Greta was born Greta Luisa Gustafsson on September 18, 1905, in Stockholm, Sweden. She was the third and youngest child of a factory worker and laborer. The family was poor, living in a three-bedroom, cold-water flat at Blekingatten No. 32, considered part of the city's slums. Garbo once stated that life was eternally gray, those long winter's nights. My father would be sitting in a corner, scribbling figures on a newspaper. On the other side of the room, my mother is repairing ragged old clothes, sighing. We children would be talking in very low voices, or just sitting silently. We were filled with anxiety, as if there was danger in the air. This atmosphere of anxiety and gray influenced Greta's burgeoning personality. As a sensitive, shy daydreamer, Greta disliked school and preferred to play alone. Despite this, she was a natural leader and became drawn to the stage at an early age, directing her friends in make-believe games and performances. She dreamed of becoming an actress. As part of preparations for an exhibition at the Swedish Postal Museum in Stockholm, researcher Pernilla Astrom interviewed elderly people with memories of Kata, or Gura, Garbo's nicknames when she grew up in the poor Södermalm quarter of the city. One, a former gymnast, recalled that Greta Gustafsson, as she was called, announced at the age of 10 that she wanted to be an actress because it's posh. At the age of 13, Greta graduated from primary school and, typical of working-class girls, declined to attend high school in favor of working. The year was 1919, and her plans were quickly sidetracked by the Spanish influenza, a pandemic that swept through Stockholm that winter. Greta's father became ill and she was put in charge of taking him to his weekly hospital visits for treatment. He died the next year, when Greta was just 14. To earn extra money for her family, Greta worked in a barber shop, and later a department store. While there, she began modeling hats for the store's catalogs, quickly earning a job as a fashion model. She wrote that while she took the job for money, her ambition to act remained burning inside of her. Can you imagine it? me, a shop girl. But don't worry, I haven't given up thought of the stage because of this. Not a bit. I'm just as keen as ever. 
Within a year of her father's death, Greta was noticed by the store's director of film commercials and cast in roles advertising clothing. Premiering on December 12, 1920, her first commercial eventually caught the attention of film director Eric Arthur Petschler, who gave her a part in his short comedy, Peter the Tramp. Greta pursued her love of acting with full enthusiasm. After becoming noticed, she attended the Royal Dramatic Theatre's acting school in Stockholm. Of her experiences there, she stated, I was never so close to passing out as I was when I stood there and looked at them. All I could think was that I didn't want to go back to work at pub. I simply had to succeed. Greta was recruited in 1924 to play a principal part in the film The Saga of Gasta Berlin, alongside actor Lars Hansen. Her role was quickly followed by parts in the German film The Street of Sorrow in 1925 and a contract with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Films. At the age of just 20, Greta was a film star, yet she was unable to speak English. She arrived in New York City in July of 1925 and spent six months without hearing from the film studio. Surprised, she and her mentor director, Marit Stiller, traveled to Los Angeles. A friend helped them get in contact with MGM's production boss, who agreed to give Greta a screen test. According to author Frederick Sands, the result of the test was electrifying. Thalberg was impressed and began grooming the young actress the following day, arranging to fix her teeth, making sure she lost weight, and giving her English lessons. After starring in the 1926 film Torrent, Greta became well-received in Hollywood and was offered a lead role in The Temptress, playing opposite Antonio Moreno. Unfortunately, the script was a harrowing experience, as Greta disliked playing vamp characters. Yet it made her a star. Greta went on to make eight more silent films, all hits, giving on-screen performances acclaimed for her erotic performance and steamy romances. By 1928, she had usurped the reigning silent screen queen, Lillian Gish, and reviewers wrote that her glamour and fascination had never been equaled on screen. Behind the scenes, Greta remained the shy, introverted girl. She required that her sets have absolutely no visitors, and that black flats or screen be placed around her to prevent extras and technicians from watching her. When asked about it, she replied, If I am by myself, my face will do things I cannot do with it otherwise. Greta transitioned to a career in motion pictures with the advent of sound, continuing her successful career. Nominated for an Academy Award in 1930, she went on to star in some of her most remembered roles, such as a World War I German spy in Matahari and a Russian ballerina in Grand Hotel. Her girlhood over, Greta had become one of the greatest Hollywood legends. By the age of 36, she had made 28 feature films in just 16 years. It was 1941, and the advent of World War II brought about personal and professional changes for Greta. She starred in some films during the 1940s, but overall became less interested in continuing her film career. She rejected roles, becoming increasingly withdrawn from Hollywood. By the end of the 1940s, she stated, I was tired of Hollywood. I did not like my work. There were many days when I had to force myself to go to the studio. I really wanted to live another life. Greta's girlhood personality of preferring a quiet life returned. Though it had been present throughout Hollywood in her refusal to attend social functions, interviews, and award ceremonies, it led to her full retirement. Though still socializing with friends and traveling, Greta guarded her privacy. She was known to be eccentric, melancholy, and moody, but loved to take walks in New York City. 
Well, on one such walk near her 60th birthday, Greta stated, In a few days, it will be the anniversary of the sorrow that never leaves me, that will never leave me for the rest of my life. To what sorrow she referred is still speculated. Despite this, Greta was an active art collector, possessing works by Renoir, Kardinsky, and Jolinsky, among others. She also became a naturalized citizen of the United States in 1951, choosing to live in a seven-room apartment in Manhattan. She was known to frequent some social occasions, such as a small dinner at the White House with President Kennedy just days before his assassination, and vacations with friends in Europe. She never married, had no children, and lived alone for most of her life, though many biographers state she was bisexual, having relationships with both men and women throughout her life. Letters from these relationships, notably nearly 181 with acknowledged lesbian Mercedes de Acosta, are held at the Rosenbach Museum and Library in Philadelphia. Unfortunately, according to researchers, Greta's family, descendants of her brother, are ill at ease with her sexuality. In 2000, de Acosta published content from her letters with Garbo, which fueled speculation and the ill feelings of Greta's family. To this day, access to the letters is restricted and, in some cases, explicitly denied. Yet, as found in the letter in the postal that the Postal Museum utilized for its exhibition on Greta, there is some evidence that Greta's sexuality was likely bisexual or lesbian, as a letter she wrote at the age of 14 to her friend, Eva Bloomgren, hints at a lover's tiff. Greta died in 1990 as a result of pneumonia and renal failure. She was cremated and interred in Stockholm. She left her entire estate, worth over $32 million, to her niece. What I find most interesting about Greta isn't her success, but rather her power as an introvert. Her shy, withdrawn nature also made her sensitive to emotions and to others, and this sensitivity shows in her portrayals on screen. Film historians often talk about Greta's ability to communicate her character's innermost feelings through movement, gestures, and her eyes. As her co-star Rex O'Malley stated, she doesn't act. She lives her roles. And this is something I, as an introvert, find very true for many described as withdrawn, shy, or sensitive. Our abilities seem to be an encumbrance, but more often they are powerful. In a world that prioritizes noise, our ability to find our inner selves and communicate inner feelings, often in subtle ways, is very powerful in helping us connect, both with audiences and with other people. Director George Sidney described Greta's abilities accurately in stating, you could call it underplaying, but in underplaying, she overplayed everyone else. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to tune into our next podcast in October as we celebrate International Day of the Girl on October 11th and discuss Young Witches in our special Halloween episode. Finally, please help to support future production of Girl Speak by visiting us at www.girlmuseum.org and clicking Donate. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the internet, please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.